0: It takes more than three hours of sleep to be a great engineer. This is episode 173 of the Soft Skills Engineering Podcast. I'm your host, Jamison Dance. I'm
1: your host, Dave Smith.
0: Soft Skills Engineering is a weekly advice show where we answer all of your non-technical questions about the technical field of software development. And I am on paternity leave, which (laughs) means I am on sleep leave.
1: (laughs) (laughs) You're taking a leave from sleep. Yeah, it's great, Mm. but
0: the best part about it is that I don't get as stressed when I don't sleep because I don't have to go, like, deploy to production the next day. <laughs> <laughs> I get to go to Costco with my daughter or change diapers, and it's easier yeah. to do those things when I'm asleep. Sleepy, not asleep. <laughs> it's harder to record a coherent podcast, though. Sorry.
1: <laughs> You're saying it's easier to go to Costco in your sleep than it is to deploy to production in your sleep. Yeah. <laughs> That tells me a little something about uh, yeah. your continuous deployment processes. <laughs>
0: <laughs> I think I am more likely to walk out of Costco with like four giant big screen TVs that I don't <laughs> need, though. <'Cause> my <laughs> lack of sleep,
1: or or a is... gold membership. That's what that's what you'd walk out with.
0: <laughs> Dave, I already have the executive <laughs> membership. <laughs> <laughs> okay I could get another one I guess <laughs> yeah less sleep leads to poor impulse control so okay bring on all those extra TVs I guess
1: all right I'd like to thank our patrons yeah. for this month who are contributing at the level that gets them a shout out every week they are Matthew Voidovich the Agile Ventures charity Ted Nugent Crash Bandicoot Zach Granin This Engineer Goes Up to 11X Luis Santos Nick Cantar Taras Karuk Sean Sonny Tai, Sonic the Hedgehog Ivor Robotnik Murray Russo Chris Hogan, Chase Norton, and Stanley Tactical Radio, thank you so much. If you'd like to support the show, go to softskills.audio and click support us on Patreon.
0: All right. I'm going to read. Wait. Nope. I'm going to tell people what they get. They All get right. to join our Slack. All right. Now, I'm going to read our next question. <laughs> okay. This is from that new engineer breathing heavily over your shoulder. <laughs> <laughs> Hello. <sighs> <laughs> Love the show. I'm six months into my career as a software engineer at a very large company. As a new engineer, I'm often lost and confused, especially since my team is working on a greenfield project. My mentor is very helpful and patient with me, despite all of my questions. I thanked him countless times and pub- publicly called out his support at stand-up and in front of management basically every day. But I still feel like this isn't enough. He would never say it, but I know I'm such a burden on him and slow down the team. Other than quitting my job to alleviate him from my near-constant please-help messages, how can I, number one, show him how much his support has meant to me and get him the recognition he deserves, and two, stop being such a drain on his productivity-slash-life? Thank you. (laughs) Hmm. Hmm. So the immediate thing that occurs to me is if you're breathing heavily over someone's shoulder, make sure your breath is real fresh. Yeah. (laughs) (laughs) Because... That would make it even worse if you just had some powerful onion breath or something. <laughs> but if it's like a pleasant, minty freshness, then that's yeah. that's probably a benefit.
1: Yeah. It's almost like a air freshener that you didn't yeah. have to install.
0: Yeah. There's that new engineer freshening the air over your shoulder.
1: At a comfortable 98.6 degrees Fahrenheit.
0: <laughs> Nicely humidified. Yeah. <laughs> Yeah, there's so much to talk about here.
1: Yeah, have you ever felt like a burden on a team when you are just like just hammering them with questions constantly?
0: Yes, at my current job. <laughs> <laughs> so I've I work at Walmart Labs. It's a very large company. I joined about twenty months ago, and for more than the first six months, I felt pretty lost and ask a lot of questions, and also a lot of repeat questions. Asking questions didn't feel as scary as asking the question that I'd already asked, but oh. forgot, or didn't understand the answer to.
1: Or didn't write down the answer to.
0: <laughs> yeah, or wrote it down, but what I wrote was in hieroglyphics, <laughs> yeah. or yeah. just scribbled and illegible. or Yeah. So I, I feel this, even as a not new engineer, like this is a, this is certainly a thing. It's not unique to your situation at, at a large company as a new engineer. Yeah. And I don't know that I had any tricks to get through it. I just kind of, kind of did it. I wish (laughs) that I asked more questions, honestly, but I feel like I suffered from looking. Usually I'm pretty good at asking questions and willing to look dumb, but in situations where I actually think I am dumb, then it's harder (laughs) to ask questions. (laughs) Like if I don't have this baseline of I I basically know what I'm talking about and I've I've established some amount of reputation so that people know even though I ask this obvious to them question it's not cuz I'm dumb it's just like I'm just trying to learn this thing
1: unless you actually feel dumb
0: yeah if I don't have that then then it's harder so that yeah. just took a while to get over and it made me very sad for several months
1: okay how many months
0: probably like 10 months okay it was a while it was yeah it was like October by the time I felt like oh I'm actually kind of comfortable here
1: all right yeah, I've had a I've had a similar experience. It especially at big companies, it takes a lot longer than I would have expected to ramp up. You know, I've joined I've joined startups and felt like I had my feet under me after just a month. But I'm currently working for a big company, and I really didn't feel super confident in myself until about a year and a half. Yeah, <laughs> it's crazy to say out loud, but that's about how long it took.
0: Yeah, I, I mean, is it worth talking about? Would you have done something different in retrospect to get that confidence faster? <sighs>
1: Probably should have breathed down more people's shoulders.
0: (laughs) Hmm. (laughs) Yeah, I think I wish that I had asked better questions and I wish that I had written more docs because it turns out most of the stuff I was asking were things that the knowledge was very unevenly distributed about. Mm -hmm. And that's, that's also a way to turn it from you interrupting people to you sharing that knowledge with the general audience a little bit more and getting a little bit more value than just your own self. If you're worried about just... Being such a burden and not getting as much out of it, or not them not getting as much productivity out of it, if you can say, but look, now the whole team understands this thing better. It's a little bit easier to, for me at least, a little bit easier to justify that.
1: I think if I could go back in time and, and I had a goal of accelerating my ramp up process, I noticed that a few times I set up calendar events with other teams or people who I don't normally go to with a set of questions I wanted to ask them and I would just interview them. I'd just be like, tell me about this. And then that would spawn three more questions in my mind that I would ask them. And I just put a half an hour on their calendar and I would just go through these questions and they would spawn more questions. And those sessions were extremely effective. And it Mm. was great because I would bother this person once in six months, you know, so I didn't feel like a burden to them. And I think it had made them feel good, like subject matter experts. You know, it's, it's when you start going to the same person over and over, that's when you start, I start to feel bad and kind yeah. of guilt, guilty for taking so much of their time.
0: Yeah, I I worked with a great developer named Amy Knight, and she was very effective at learning things uh, as a new employee at the company that we worked. And she batched her questions up really aggressively. So she would just kind of work productively, and then once or twice a week, she would have this very curated list of questions, and we just kind of knock them out. And it didn't feel like a burden at all because... It was more like, it wasn't It wasn't like, hey, I'm going to tap you on the shoulder to interrupt you. It was more like being, like you said, being interviewed as someone who knows things, which is flattering.
1: <laughs> yeah. <laughs> um, and how,
0: how long would these weekly or twice weekly sessions last? Oh, uh, it was like half an hour to an hour. Okay. I don't know. I, I like helping people too, though, so it, it never felt like a burden. And, and I think that approach of batching would work for people that maybe felt a little more bugged. So there's this underlying feeling in the question that, I'm not worthy. Like I'm a huge burden and I'm just a nuisance. People are upset at me because I'm taking up their time and slowing them down. And I think you have to change that mindset. It's easy for me to say, but harder to do. But I mean, you you were hired there. You deserve to be there. And if it takes more effort to get you up to speed, that's an investment on the company's part and they're doing it deliberately. It's not that they're looking at it long-term and Mm -hmm. saying... Even if it takes a little bit of time to explain things, the benefit to the organization is, is positive overall. So I feel like you have this really negative opinion of, of your role there that's coming across in the question of, of not contributing any value and just being a drain. And that's totally not true. You're not a drain. Like, people learn things by mentoring. When, when you explain stuff to other people, you learn it better. And mm. when you explain stuff to other people, you learn things sound dumb when they come out of your mouth <laughs> that you hadn't really examined before. Oh. And and it's really helpful to point out things that are confusing or suboptimal about the way that you work or way things are organized. Okay. Especially, so the question asker mentions a Greenfield project. There are so many questions and unknowns right now. And there might be some answers, but so much of the work of a Greenfield project is is thinking about the right way to do things and kind of processing that information. And talking to you about it is a is a really helpful way to process that information. I, I think you're contributing positive value.
1: That's a really good point. I had I've been on my team now long enough to where people come to me with lots of questions and we had a few people join recently, and I've had a couple of one hour just question and answer sessions, and it occurred to me that I've actually been creating action items for myself. Oh yeah. After a half hour info session where it's like, I'm supposed to be sharing knowledge with you, but in the end it comes out with Oh, there's a bunch of things we haven't thought about (laughs) that I need to address.
0: Yeah. Every time we onboard someone to my team, there's a chunk in the onboarding doc that says there will be confusing things basically. And we might not have noticed them or might have gotten used to them, but we want to fix them. So, so every time we onboard a new person to the team, we change that doc and change our processes and change our code and and stuff gets better. So it's kind of like shining a light on things. Also you're not a burden. They're lucky to work with you. Your mentor should be thanking you because they get the opportunity <laughs> to mentor the famous good breath, heavy breather <laughs> engineer who will go on to do great things. It seems like from the question that your mentor has shown that they like doing this. And for people that like it, mentoring is really, 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 really satisfying. So it's not, it's not a burden. It's something they like doing and it's probably bringing satisfaction to them.
1: So like 5 years from now, they'll they'll be sitting in an audience listening to you describe yep. your achievements and they'll lean over to their neighbor and whisper, "I mentored
0: that engineer. I smelled that engineer's yeah. breath." Have I told you how good they, when they their were breath smelled. <laughs> yeah.
1: Yeah.
0: Yeah, it's it's not a drain at all. It's it's a positive experience for them and for you.
1: Okay, but having said all that wonderful stuff, there are Obviously, the techniques you can use to try to get to a point where you are now in a role where you can help others and not be needing to have your questions answered by other people so much, right? Theoretically. And, and the- <laughs> <laughs> I'm excited to learn them. <laughs> yeah. And I mean, you've already covered a couple of good techniques, which are batch your questions. And the technique I shared was go outside of your normal answer providers and hit up other people with your questions, which by the way, that's a good thing to do, not just to alleviate the burden on one person, but also to get other people's perspectives and see if your team oh, yeah. is actually aligned on the answers because they might not
0: be. I do that all the time as a manager of a team. I talk to people outside of our team and it's it's incredibly helpful every time.
1: Also, I think you know, if you work for a company that's really measurement driven, you may have thought about this, but maybe not. And that is, why don't you keep track of the number of questions you're asking, which you can do quite easily if you're batching them up anyway because you know, you're writing them all down. So you can track them, just put some date stamps on those batches, and then set a goal for yourself to reduce the number of questions that you ask on a weekly basis over some period of time. Maybe, maybe say like 10% per week reduction for the next 10 weeks. And in a couple of months, that'll put you down to zero, you know, (laughs) or actually, I guess not. It's like the frog. Zeno's paradox. Yeah. (laughs) Jumping halfway to the pond every every week. But it'll, it'll, it'll decrease your question volume significantly if you can adhere to that goal. And the reason I'm not saying that you shouldn't, that you should let questions go unanswered. I'm saying that you should, when you're seeing that goal threshold approach for the week, you should try to invest more time to see if you can uncover the answers yourself, Mm. because that's what these people are doing when they answer your questions. And sometimes they're drawing on context that they just have by virtue of being on the team for a long time. But other times they're answering the question using tools and techniques that they've, that they've developed over the years. And, and that's what I do when people come to me with questions. I, don't, I usually don't know the answer right off the bat, but I know how to find the answer. And that's the skill that you need to train yourself to get.
0: That's a really good point. I worked with a gentleman named Shane Hansen. I think he works at Google now. He was really good at answering very tricky technical questions based on data that he would just get from like just chopping up logs and analyzing them with some combination mm. of Sed and Ock and all his tools or, or like... Prof or just he he he's really good at using tooling to gather data to answer questions. That's one great thing. But the other great thing is he would always explain the process he used to answer those questions. So he wouldn't just say like 10 milliseconds, that's the 90th percentile. He would he would post kind of the the script he used to gather that data and get the answer. That's awesome. That's yeah, next it was level. super cool. Yeah. And I think part of it was his way of saying, like, hey, you could have done this <laughs> as well. <laughs>
1: So wait a minute, wait a minute. Just, just a little passive aggressive. Just a little.
0: I mean, I don't think it was passive aggressive. It was just like, here's how. Here's how. It's the whole teach a man to fish versus give him a fish thing. Like, okay. I will give you the fish, but inside the fish is a manual for <laughs> how to fish, or something like that. <laughs>
1: I will feed you and teach you.
0: Yeah. Exactly. When you
1: when you sink your teeth into this fish, you will find a piece of paper.
0: <laughs> yeah so I, I have a bunch of notes that are basically copies of chat logs from Shane that show the answer to a question but also how to use this tool nice. that I didn't know about or how to get data from this data source that I didn't know existed or things like that
1: that's awesome and as a question asker you can say hey I've got a question for you I don't want you to tell me the answer I want you to teach me how to find the answer to force that to happen yeah yeah or you could just say give me a
0: fish i'm tired and hungry (laughs) i don't want a fish i want a fish
1: (laughs) (laughs) all right well have we answered the question
0: i believe so i don't think you're a drain i think you're doing great and Mm -hmm. you will continue to do great
1: i agree can i read our next question please okay this comes from an anonymous listener who says i'm a senior software engineer and i played the salary game oh we need to we need to interrupt ourselves here and describe the salary game for people who... I feel like it needs
0: a jingle. Like <laughs> It's time for the salary game. <laughs> it's, like, it's like the prize is right or something. <laughs> yep, exactly.
1: Okay, so the salary game is where two people want to know how much each other make. And the rules of the game are simple. Each person agrees that if the other person shares, then they will share. And they also have to agree. That's rule number one. Rule number two is that you have to agree not to get mad. <laughs> okay? And this comes from a good friend of mine named John.
0: Well, not to get mad at the other person. Yes, <laughs> yes, yes. You can yes. get mad at your company. Yes, exactly. <laughs> or the industry or society.
1: <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Just don't take it out on me. That's the rule. <laughs> So that's the salary game. And you can play the salary game even though your HR department might not want you to. It is legal in the United States (laughs) to play as far as 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 we know. But we're not experts on law. We only do space law. So couldn't say for sure in your
0: jurisdiction. It's certainly legal in space, though.
1: Yeah. Oh, definitely. Definitely. Okay. Moving on here. So I decided to play the salary game with a recently promoted mid-level engineer on my team who, in a gross violation of the rules, (laughs) not only volunteered his own salary... But also the salary of another mid level engineer. <laughs> oh, no. <laughs> Two for one. In retrospect, he was a bad one to play the game with. <laughs> <laughs> okay. Does that mean that you
0: need to, like, it's like a hand of cards you have of just these salaries that you know? And you have to play another one. <laughs> yeah. You volunteer like, another salary that you know.
1: Yeah. It's like Magic the Gathering. <laughs> yep. I've got a good deck. <laughs> Okay, all right, the question asker goes on to say, anyways, it turns out they're both really close to me now and are both making a good deal more than I was five years ago when I was promoted to senior. This is mostly, maybe entirely, because I was a horrid negotiator when I first started at the company. It was my first, quote, real job. And it turns out I really lowballed the company during salary negotiations. I'm pretty ready to leave the company for reasons both personal and professional, but I've submitted a talk proposal for an industry conference that takes place in six months. In order to give the talk, I need to still be employed by the company. So rather than ordering the soft skills engineering special... You know what's coming next and quitting my job. I'm going to give it a shot and ask for a 25% raise. My question is, what advice do you have for this conversation? I've read all the usual quotes, state your value, don't make it personal, etc. stuff. But do you guys have anything else that's been effective in your experience on either side of this? Whew, good question.
0: Uh, So there's some, I just want to summarize the salary situation. Someone is a level below the question asker. Mm-hmm. but makes almost as much as the question asker and a lot more than the question asker originally made when they were promoted to their current level, which is a level above yeah. the person they compared with. Yeah. So so they make a little bit more now, but maybe not as much more as they would like, I guess.
1: That's right. Basically, the company is getting a huge bargain on you is what <laughs> what we're seeing.
0: I mean, there's inflation, right? So five years ago, whatever money you made was worth less but without the exact yeah. numbers, I, we just have to believe that it's not not commensurate. Yeah, there's also so there's there's just economy inflation, but there's also tech industry salary yes. levels rising. I guess that's not inflation; it's just how it works. But I I think those feel like to me they're rising faster than inflation. Where if you come oh, into yeah. the industry today versus five years ago, you generally get more money.
1: Oh, a lot more, and I I feel like the, the pace has increased over the last five years compared to the previous, say, 10.
0: And the top end of that has increased a lot more too yes. in terms of both an lower uh, entry level and kind of later career salary.
1: Yeah, like the I think that the salary range has widened, which I think is what you're saying. Yeah. The delta between the bottom and top is, hot, is bigger and the bottom so. has also moved up. Yeah. To the tune of about double when I started 15 years ago.
0: Yeah. So some of this could be just based on that. Mm-hmm. It doesn't make it... Better though. <laughs> no, make no. It feel better. I, I think there, there are probably a lot of people in your situation though, who have some seniority in their position or career, and are looking at newer people who seem to be getting compensated a lot differently than yeah. they are. And yeah. the company's very unlikely to say, "Oh, whoops, sorry about that. We'll just uh, bump you up." Yeah, we'll just, we we'll just know?
1: proactively step in and solve this problem you haven't told us about.
0: Oh, yeah. There's, there's some uh, inequity there in our salaries. We. We've been thinking a lot about how to resolve this in a way that costs us more money.
1: <laughs> Said no HR department ever. Yeah. <laughs> well, except Google. Apparently they do this. Do they? Yeah, I read an article about that recently. But anyway. That's
0: good. I mean, it feels, it feels smart because it feels like every, there are all these traps hidden all over companies where there's people in this situation everywhere. Or oh, they yeah. just joined at the wrong time or something. And they're they're one conversation away from becoming disgruntled about their pay. <laughs>
1: exactly.
0: Exactly. So it feels like if you want to retain people, it's probably worth having a I mean, this is advice for the company, not for the question asker, but it seems like you would want a playbook for dealing with this that isn't yeah. just hope no one ever finds out how much other people <laughs> make. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah.
1: Yeah, exactly. You know, the other thing that to point out here is that this is a case where a bad decision or bad timing or bad luck can follow you for years in terms of salary. A friend of mine, he yep. started out his career at a very small in a very small city where salaries were generally lower because the cost of living was lower. Then he mm-hmm. moved to a bigger city and made the mistake when negotiating for his new salary at a new company, he made the mistake of sharing his previous salary, which anchored his new salary, and that followed Ooh, him for can't like do that.: No, that followed him for like 10 years, and so he was just perpetually behind the industry.: yeah, and I think the way he reset that was he changed jobs enough times <laughs> to get caught up.
0: yeah, this the negotiation at the beginning of a job is either the most lucrative or most expensive few minutes of your life probably (laughs) so true where it's it's not just the delta in what you earn immediately but percentage-based raises after that and confidence like if you if you negotiate successfully it, it turns out it's easier to ask for more money later than if you it kind of stinks cuz it's it doesn't feel very fair but if you have positive experiences negotiating it's easier to negotiate more later
1: yeah okay so what do you think the chances are that if this question asker asks for a 25% raise that they'll actually get it
0: i think they're single digit i wasn't i'm not going to say 0 <laughs> it's like that dumb and dumber line what are the chances of a guy like me and a girl like you and then she says one in a million and he says so you're saying there's a chance yeah <laughs> Yeah. <laughs> there is probably a chance, but it feels very low to me. I
1: have asked for a 25% raise a few times in my career. Really? Uh, yeah. Two th- two specific instances that I can think of, but I feel like there was another time. So maybe three. And one time I actually got it. <laughs> but it was kind of an exceptional case where I was at a startup. I had been there for a year. I had taken a risk in terms of salary to get there in the first place. So it was a bit low. And they knew that. And I just worked my tail off that whole year. Yeah. And so when I, when raise time came, I said, this is what I want. And they gave it to me. So that happened. But I've also had it happen where I talk to managers, I ask 25% and they're just like, okay, uh, we'll take it into advisement. And then, you know, the raise comes yeah. out and it's like six.
0: Yep. <laughs> you know. What a good question. Good, good for you, Dave, for asking that question. All right, moving on. <laughs> <laughs> exactly. <laughs> Thank you so much for asking for that number. <laughs> I have never asked for a 25% raise. Have you ever have
1: you ever asked for a raise with a specific dollar amount on it or a percentage?
0: Yes, I have, and I asked for a raise to get up to six figures because a friend of mine was making six figures and had been at the company less time than me, and it was totally one hundred percent ego based. Okay, the, the actual percentage delta was pretty small. Okay. It was just like from not six figures to six figures, and they were grumpy but accepted. <laughs> I don't know, but but I, I that was a weird place, and I didn't do it right at all it was just
1: (laughs) but you but you made it
0: but i i yeah i crossed the threshold my reward was an extra 20 dollars on each paycheck (laughs) (laughs) so worth it i mean it it was definitely more of an ego thing than a financial situation thing but it also feels very dumb to hear me sound like i'm complaining about making that much money (laughs) i'm not at all yeah it's it's great great. it's a privilege but but i it wasn't I, i think it was a Yeah, much smaller percentage raise than that. Yeah.
1: So you're saying basically it's not going to (laughs) happen.
0: I don't think it's going to happen. So so it would not happen except in extraordinary circumstances at most places that I have worked. Yeah.
1: And the bigger the company, the lower the odds.
0: Uh, Yeah. The more extraordinary the circumstances.
1: Now, I will say this. At the same company where they declined my 25% request, I then quit that job a couple months later to go get another job. And it was crazy, but they, my manager said, hold on, Dave, before you announce that you're resigning, just give me 48 hours. I said, okay. So I said, no problem. I'll keep it quiet. 48 hours later. And then your manager just
0: partied for those (laughs) 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 They didn't say what they would do with it. (laughs) Woo!
1: Dave is out of (laughs) here! Finally! (laughs) So no, 48 hours later, he came back and he goes, We'd like to offer you a, oh, what's the term they use? Not a counter offer, but a retention package. I don't know. Basically, they offered me a 25% raise. And and I was like, oh, (laughs) wait a minute. (laughs) So I think what what that taught me was that under duress, every rule has an exception. And so your HR department might have a cap on raises for a given year. And then there are exceptions that can be authorized based on circumstances. So if you truly are willing to quit, but you'd be willing to stay for 25% more, now may be the time to just say i'm quitting, obviously after you get a new job. But that then leads to this talk at this conference, and i think we should we should talk about
0: that. Well, i want to go back to before that. I want to go back to this thing, which is if you are not excited about staying at this company anyways, this is a great experiment where yeah. you don't have anything to lose, you know? Like yeah. you're not worried about i don't know what the negative consequences would be even if if you asked and they said no, but That's a worry people have. What if I come across as greedy or get a bad reputation or something? And you don't have to worry about it. Like, if you're going to quit, I don't know. It's fine. The worst that they can do is say no, and then you still quit.
1: Right. (laughs) Exactly. Well, the other worst thing they can do is say, oh, and by the way, that airline ticket and hotel we were going to pay for for your conference you're going to, that's on you now.
0: You'll get a pay decrease. Yes. (laughs) Effectively. (laughs) Yeah. So the conference talk.
1: Yes. Let's talk about that. So- You've committed to give a conference talk in 6 months. I think that the question I would ask you now is, what if you got a 25% raise, but the condition was you don't you can't give that talk. And so let's just say that that's $20,000 per year that you would be getting if someone came up to you and said, "Hey, I will write you a check right now for $20,000 if you will simply not give that conference talk." Would you say yes?
0: Yes. <laughs> I yes. Uh, you're not asking me, but yes. You would not get you
1: would not give a talk for 20k.
0: I would not pay 20k to give a talk. They, oh, I would, that's I would a, not give up 20k.
1: That's another way to think about it is, would you pay $20,000 if you were making more in order to give this talk? Like if the conference charged a fee.
0: I could see it in some circumstances as like a marketing investment in your career where maybe it's a really big platform and you feel like good things will happen, but I don't know. There are a lot of True. There's probably another one. Yeah. But I don't know the specifics of the circumstance. Maybe there's a product that this engineer is working on at this specific company and they're very close to it and and need to be an employee to talk about it or something. That's possible. I think the meat of your question is just look at the opportunity cost of staying to give this talk. And that's super valuable. Mm -hmm. I think that's really important.
1: The the other option is you could just change the talk title to how I lost everything to give this talk. (laughs) (laughs)
0: <laughs> yeah <laughs> well so you know less funny thing <laughs> I've seen talks like that before that are from people who used to work on a product that, that that there's just a little disclaimer at the beginning that's like hey I don't work at this company anymore but this is my experiences when I did yeah those were more there's a certain genre of talk that that works for though it's not like talking as an authority on the project or yeah it, sometimes it's like a maintainer of an open source thing that was built while they were an employee at that company and it's used by that company or something like that but if if you're like a product developer on azure or something i don't know whatever i don't know what it is but i my gut is it's something like that where it's a commercial product then that might be a little bit harder to be like not employed by microsoft anymore but yeah talk about azure at microsoft's conference yeah but still opportunity cost it's a thing
1: oh yeah for sure and you should quantify this and i think i love these kind of questions where you turn them upside down and say, if someone paid you X, would you do Y? Because that's basically what, what you're up against here.
0: Yeah. I think we've answered the question. I think we haven't given any advice on how to actually ask for the raise.
1: <laughs> yeah, true.
0: But I think your point about opportunity cost was really good.
1: I do, I do think there's a, a little bit more advice that I would give on how to ask for this raise. We, we gave the nuclear option, which is threatened to quit. And,
0: and that is- Well, that's, I mean, that's your leverage, right? It's, it's such a weird <laughs> dance here because that's what you are- some people don't want to feel threatened or feel like they are threatening, but if you are saying, I'm going to quit because I don't make enough money, it's very expensive for you to quit that job for the company. They have to hire a replacement and train them and take months or years to get them up to speed and hiring is slow and expensive. And
1: yes. And by the way, the replacement is going to make more than you.
0: <laughs> that's true. Yeah. As a new senior engineer hire, they will most likely make more money than you. Like there's there's a strong financial case, but I also know Dave, you're kind of a, against this idea of using the fact that I might quit as leverage. Yeah, that's, like that's your that's your whole leverage. It, it is, <laughs> like, but
1: there's this there's this cultural thing where at least in my experience where people expect a little bit more subtlety around that and they they don't just expect you to come out guns blazing. And so yeah. I think what I would do is I would tiptoe into the situation and then escalate only as needed to the nuclear option. So I would start out by saying You know, I want to work here. I like the job, which may or may not be true in this case. (laughs) But I like the job. But the financial situation is making it hard for me to stay when there are so many other better financial options out there. And then I think you should give specific examples. And, you know, Jamison, you mentioned that you came in with an example saying my friend is making more than me. I don't know if you shared that with the company. But I've done that.
0: I didn't. I was ready, but okay. Uh, no, I didn't.
1: I've done that before, but not with a salary that's at the same company. And so like I've said, my friend is making X and that's 20% more than I'm making here. They're at a different company. I just want you to know that's a market data point and I could work with them, you know? And that's kind of like a more subtle, gentle way of saying, I'm going to quit if you don't pay me more without saying, I'm going to quit if you don't pay me more.
0: Yeah, that's a good point. I think that's the key is you have to get that point across without saying it, without coming across as threatening. <laughs> what, a, what a dance. Exactly. It is a dance because it would be fewer words if you could just say, hey, I could get a raise by quitting. Will you give me that raise yeah. so I don't quit? <laughs> yeah. It would cost you a lot of money for me to quit.
1: Yeah. But it's hard for whatever reason in our culture, at least we don't say say, say things like that.
0: We don't. And also companies are really bad about that. How many stories do you hear about people who this this exact situation where someone is underpaid and they cannot get paid commensurate with their value at their current job and their only option is to quit and go get paid that amount in a different company like wouldn't it be better off for the company to just pay them
1: yeah because the replacement is going to be is going to make that much anyway. they're going to be worse
0: for a while yeah and they're going to make that much anyways and it's going to cost a ton of time and money and equipment and uh, yeah there's just there's a lot of expenses with bringing on a new person and there's a
1: risk of a mishire and you know? Yeah. anyway so yeah i agree metapoint companies should be better at this they should give a vector for employees to address this problem and i, I know very few companies have done this but they're they're out there anyway so yeah that, that's the dance that i would engage in with your management but it sounds like in six months after the conference you're going to quit anyway
0: again <laughs> <laughs> yeah, no pressure yeah there you All go right. Question answered. Good luck. What should people do if they want their own questions answered? Go to
1: softskills.audio and click ask a question. Thank you so much to everyone who has done that. If you also would like to share with us your experience taking or rejecting our advice, we would also like to hear that. Click ask a question and just fill out the answer to that there. And what can people do to support the show?
0: They can go to softskills.audio and click support us on Patreon. They can tweet about it, share it with other people. That's a great way to support the show. Thank you to all the people that are listening and supporting us. You are great. We'll catch you next week.